0: My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this show will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership in all walks of life and today that journey takes us to Injury Mechanics, a private healthcare clinic helping both athletes and the general population with pain and injury and owner Maria Westwell joins us on the programme today to talk all about that. Uh, Maria, uh, by all means thank you for joining us and it's a real pleasure having you alongside me
1: Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you for inviting me on too. It's very exciting,
0: really. Yeah, it is. It is exciting uh, delving into, of course, um, sort of the private healthcare sphere, always very interesting, of course, in the uh, the current climate. Um, Now, um, your business first and foremost, Maria, just to sort of set the scene for the listeners, if you uh, will, um, you've got a huge background in sort of elite sports therapy, let's say. um, uh, But did you know that sort of establishing your own practice was going to be the way for you from quite early on or did you kind of sort of sort of fade into it in a different way?
1: Um, Yeah, not really to be honest. I mean, sort of my university studies, I knew I wanted to be in sport or aim to be in sport Um, and gaining experience, I realised just how difficult that was and how sort of cutthroat that was. So I kind of just tried to gain as much experience and networking as possible um, and when I graduated um, because of that, luckily I was able to sort of start within sports and um, I started working in a private healthcare clinic and it was just a couple of years, into that really the opportunity came around where things were sort of changing at the clinic I was working at and I sort of, I think you start establishing yourself and knowing what kind of areas of this um, profession you want to get into. Um, and my husband he's a chartered surveyor and he sort of he saw an opportunity came and um, with a clinic locally and he just thought said you know take the plunge um which was a bit scary but luckily I was kind of still living at home at the time I kind of just sold my car sold like clothes everything just to get a bit of money behind me um, and I just thought like I'd just sort of see how it went and um, but obviously when I started that process I didn't sort of I suppose, realised just sort of how much business knowledge you'd need. I was, you know, a healthcare professional um, and just sort of learning the business side along the way, really.
0: And sort of based on the experience of kind of getting yourself started in that sense and learning all of that, um, for anybody tuning into this that might be of that kind of young entrepreneurial mindset and may want to start their own business as well, from your experience, what sort of advice would you give them to kind of get them on the right track?
1: I'd definitely say take that chance and um, it is difficult and there's a lot of obstacles along the way and um, i think sort of the biggest one is sort of financially um there's a lot of sort of obstacles but in terms of sort of um renting a premises that's sort of your first um first starting point a lot of people are knowing this profession might um sort of set up from home if they've got that facility sort of spare room that kind of thing um but you know you can get quite good deals and sort of rent-free periods that kind of just give you a little bit of time to set up I think I, my um, rent-free period is something like six months which just give me a bit of time to sort of get a bit of sort of client base behind me and get an idea of all the expenses um, and I just think speak to people like people you treat family friends and um, different types of businesses I think all that sort of information and and um, wealth of experience from everyone really does help. You know, I'm continuing to do that sort of, um, you know, 10, 12 years on, and um, I think continuing to sort of learn and these new complications that come, but you know, you never know everything, but I don't think anybody does. And I think you've just got to see um, what helps available as well. Um, and just sort of take the, the leap, really.
0: Yeah, and of course, you mentioned challenges, and certainly that F word, finance, Um, obviously, running your own business never uh, comes without its challenges. And I think think it's fair to say that when it comes to sort of financial difficulties, that's been specifically exacerbated by the COVID-19 situation over the last couple of years with closures and sort of having to seek out various bits of financial help to kind of help businesses through across so many industries so certainly not um, alone in uh, that boat there but looking at yourselves um, at injury mechanics very specifically Maria um, what kind of operational challenges during the lockdown did you find yourselves having to deal with and what's the sort of knock-on effect of that being for you?
1: Well I remember it very clearly actually it was sort of the weekend just before we went into lockdown there was a lot of sort of know, talk about what's gonna happen and I remember just being out on a run and it just hit me. I thought, We're gonna to have to close. What what am I gonna do, sort of financially, what am I gonna do? And mm. you know, I literally thought, Are we not gonna be able to pay the mortgage? Obviously everybody was thinking the same and we were just sort of um sort of governed by what we were told on the news and our governing bodies and um and obviously they didn't know themselves were governing bodies. They had to sort of do their own research. So we were just sort of sitting waiting for these, this email to arrive that basically said we we were unable to have face to face appointments and sort of hands on treatment and social distancing. And that's the bulk of what we do. We see people. We touch people. We go into a gym environment. We, we need to do that. And we thought, what what are we going to do? And, and we had to end up closing in total for four months. And then when we did. Reopen. It was very, very strict. Everybody, nobody, sort of knew what they were doing, and um, they were just sort of playing it day by day. It was a completely different way of working, and um, for ourselves, for um, patients coming into the clinic, um, and obviously we were just sort of trying to manage everything. Appointment times were significantly um, reduced because we were only able to sort of see you more sort of urgent people, and. Um, but the four months that we were closed obviously ended up being a lot longer for some people because people were scared to sort of leave the house to come see us or, you know, if they were classed as vulnerable it went a lot longer for them. So mm. in terms of then us treating people and their pathologies, a lot of you know, we've seen a lot of knock on complications from that sort of um length of not seeing people and them not having that sort of hands on treatment or that sort of support we can provide.
0: Yeah, I can imagine it was very difficult, sort of initially, um, especially in the early stages of the pandemic, sort of figuring out what would be sort of needed. And amidst all of that kind of panic within a crisis situation, um, how did you kind of manage the sort of raw emotional side of it and kind of the, uh, the sort of mental focus? Because I can imagine that when it's all sort of coming on top of you quite quickly in a situation like that, it can sometimes be yeah. difficult to sort of keep a cool head, can't it?
1: You mean from sort of myself personally and for patients?
0: Yes, I would say I would say I'm on both contexts. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, um, the type of work we're doing—you know—we've got people in a room one-on-one with us for up to an hour in normal circumstances. So you, be, you know, you kind of gain quite a good rapport with people and even sort of friendships as well. Sort of um, obviously professionally, and you get to know all about them. And you know, people were getting really upset, really worried, really anxious. You sort of saw a change in personality. That was obviously very common. Um, and But we were also sort of the main point of call for a lot of people. They weren't seeing any sort of other health professionals. Mm. And even now we sort of continue to see that, that people are sort of asking or relying on us for other health conditions that, you know, we don't know things about, but they're sort of looking to us for a bit of health or a bit of guidance because they're worried about different situations. Um, we had sort of the athletic population that would struggle because they would, the way that they work in their mind and their focus works is they train and they compete. And they were training and they weren't competing because they weren't allowed to for all the different sort of their own bodies that weren't allowing that or weren't allowing that sort of um, event to take place, contact mm. to take place. Um so they really sort of struggled as well because a lot of the sort of elite population of sport, they have got a certain mentality and they, they sort of need that. So we were sort of having to provide a lot of other psychological support that we might not normally need to, but there was nobody else available to do that. So we just have to do whatever we could really. Um, and in terms of myself personally, you just kind of, I suppose you're on a bit of a treadmill really and mm. um, you've got obviously your, your own family um, my toddler as well and you're just thinking you've just got to get through the days of just you know providing a lot for people so and in terms of the emotional like, sort of draining side of it that was quite intense but I was just sort of felt lucky enough to be able to be there for people and to provide that care and support to them as well when they needed it.
0: Yeah, of course. And I suppose, like, despite the sort of strife that we faced in that sense, um, it is a positive, isn't it, that we've come out of the pandemic far more aware of our own mental health, our own physical health and our own mortality. We're thinking about it more. We're talking about it a lot more. Um, But nonetheless, um, during the lockdown period initially, where sort of you weren't able to provide the services that you provide, Um, that's a long time isn't it for a lot of patients to sort of suffer with injury for and that obviously has an impact on patients outcomes as well doesn't it so it's also trying to deal with that as well
1: absolutely yeah Um, and to be honest that was sort of my main concern I just thought I, I need to see people like as a owning your own business you don't tend to have time off work when you really you go to work you just don't tend to be off you kind of it's just something that a lot of sort of self-employed people they have this resilience where they just think we've just got to sort of work. So then to be told you can't, and then I'm I'm just constantly worrying about, oh well, this patient they've had this surgery just before lockdown. I need to see them. They're going to get behind. This is going to affect them. You know, few months, years down the line. So it was really sort of just sort of challenging in that sense, definitely.
0: And obviously, the outcome of obviously not being able to see patients for a period of time is that sort of nhs backlog as well yeah. that we've seen of course i know that you are a private provider so there is that separation there but um, yeah. is there what it what is the impact of the nhs backlog on private healthcare because clearly the health service is going to have to outsource more to the private sector and fall back on it to yeah. try and deal with this backlog isn't it i mean it's
1: serious it's very serious and for us personally in this um Private healthcare in the private um, clinics. We're seeing it; it's very real. Um, previously, I mean, we work. We have um, we have private healthcare, but a lot of our patients will be having sort of surgeries mm-hmm. or treatments or imaging via the NHS. So, or in an ordinary circumstance would be for us is we have a a patient. We think, um, you know, for example, we've got a, a knee injury, um, or an arthritic knee and we would normally write a letter to the GP can you refer this person via the NHS Choose and Book Service um, for a scan or to be a consultant, no problem usually, you know, a couple of months, most up to three, four months and then they might have a date for a surgery, whereas now we're waiting months for a scan, it's even longer for the results of a scan, so that first stage of it putting someone's life on hold whether they're athletic and that's their career or non-athletic but they're in pain every mm. day and their mental health and well-being is deteriorating in that time their condition deteriorating so their um, condition gets even more complex which makes any sort of surgery or treatment they need even more complex and um, I've got one lady for example who i just really really just feel i can't do anything more for her because i just feel so sorry for her she's been um she's awaiting knee replacement and in this sort of time she's been waiting she has deteriorated a lot physically and mentally and she's been waiting from her sort of first appointment to now it has crossed the two-year mark um and we she's spoken to her consultant recently who said you know he really sympathizes it's not his fault it's not the NHS's fault it's just the situation and he sort of explains that the waitlist he feels is going down and but he kind of in a roundabout way said if he had more funding he'd be able to get through this waitlist a lot quicker and so it's having a serious knock-on effect and a lot of people are feeling that they can't or they don't want to take up the time of Seeing um, GPs, health professionals, because they they think they're non urgent, but I'm stressing to them they are urgent. Um, so that again is just going to have we're talking I, I'm definitely talking years of just trying to catch up on this. I just I can't see the end of it at the moment, to be honest.
0: Yeah, of course, and even Health Secretary Sajid Javid has basically said it's going to take at least a couple of years before we start to see that backlog start to subside. Yeah. Having and it's likely to grow again in the meantime and on obviously the healthcare funding issue, I suppose the government has now implemented its sort of version of a solution to that with the new sort of health and social care levy go on top of uh, national insurance, of course. And there's been sort of mixed reaction to that, of course, uh, given that we're sort of amid a cost of living crisis um, as well. And I know it's a little bit more sort of a a, a, a political question this, uh, Maria, but what are your sort of initial thoughts on that side of things? I mean, it is difficult
1: and I I sympathise with all, all the different sort of sides of this and all the different parties, from me personally, I just think we—it's like we constantly need more in terms of healthcare and NHS. Um it is a difficult situation to be in, but mm. I just I I kind of don't have the answer to that, and I, I think it's very difficult if you've got to choose where the funding goes. I think you're never gonna sort of keep everyone happy. It's just very difficult, but in a way as well I look at sort of our country and we have the NHS and we are very lucky to have that and obviously I work in private healthcare but there's a lot of people that financially couldn't afford to pay privately to come and see a therapist and couldn't afford to sort of jump through lists to get that and Mm. I really sort of worry for those too but I really just don't have the answer as to where that money should go where the funding should go because it's so complicated, so complex, and I just, I do sort of, I sympathise to those that have got to make those decisions, really.
0: Yeah, exactly. They are very, very difficult decisions uh, to be made, mm. absolutely. Um, it is um, a, a terrible situation, obviously, post-pandemic to be in and trying to obviously tackle the uh, the backlog, and I think it's fair to say, though, that despite all of the, uh, the trauma, the tragedy um, that's sort of come about as a result of COVID and that backlog that we're now having to deal with... Would you say that, sort of, you and indeed the wider healthcare industry could perhaps actually have learned quite a lot from the experience of trying to manage through this crisis despite the consequences of it?
1: Definitely. And I think, sort of, one word to describe what we feel we've all grown is just that sort of resilience to it. Mm. We've just sort of really had a to team together. Like my business, for example, we've we changed our, um, the sort of the running of it and the way it was set up during the pandemic. And we actually did that because we had the opportunity and the chance. It was sort of the August 2020. And although our finances, we were all struggling, Mm. um, myself and my two business partners, we thought, let's just sort of take this chance. We had um, sort of the government funding um, for the business, for the small business. And we just thought, let's utilise this time, this chance, and we thought we'll we'll take it and sort of use it as hopefully a bit of growth. And we were able to sort of change the setup of the business and the running, and it just worked out because we thought this is a much more secure way of running our business on a longer term basis as well. Um, and we sort of tried to turn that into a really positive situation for us. Um, and we just sort of, as three business partners, we thought we're sharing the sort of the stress, the worries, and um, everything. Three ways rather than one. Mm. We just thought you're so you're so much stronger as a team than on your own. Um, so we found that, and obviously a couple of years down the line, out. Um, we feel that we are sort of continuing to grow, and we've like personally and professionally, um, feel that we have grown a lot in that time. And like would say, just made the the best of a bad situation, really
0: yeah and that is testament isn't it to that kind of entrepreneurial spirit that we sort of have in abundance here in the uh, the uk we've seen that level of innovation across so many different industries and it's fantastic to sort of see how we've managed to chart a course through this uh, pandemic and now that yeah. we're sort of out of the acute phase of it maria and we're sort of looking to the future and we're sort of dealing with these new challenges on the uh, the horizon Um, what's next for yourself and for injury mechanics over the next 12 months and then in the long term what are you sort of hoping to see both for the business and sort of the wider healthcare industry as we try to tackle this backlog
1: well hopefully just sort of continuing to keep up the level of care um, we provide to people um, and sort of outside of our day to day one on one um, having patients in with us we're looking at a sort of the longer term process of that, and for the business, but for us personally as well, because the way our um, career works, we won't earn money unless we're in with the patient, and um, which is a, a sad and strange way to look at it. Because, like I say, we are healthcare professionals, and we kind of we always feel a little bit awkward on the sort of money financial side of that. Mm. Um, but we're just hoping to sort of share our experience. Um, we're working like I've um, recently started doing a little bit more work with my own governing body as a um and just sort of helping sort of, students coming through and helping them sort of um, in terms of business career advice to them how to do it and just give that, them that support really. And we're hoping to provide um, a lot of just sort of a wider range of healthcare and and sort of cover topics such as um, like menopause and. Pregnancy, postpartum, and sort of pain as well, which can be a very complex um, topic. But we're hoping to provide support seminars, things like that, for um, that sort of wider population. And I suppose just trying to utilize what experience, skills, and um, people we know to just sort of share that knowledge with people and just help and support them on a sort of wider healthcare basis, really. So yes. well, there's lots of um, it, you know, positive things we have got planned, and um, obviously I'm sure obstacles will come along the way, which might make that a bit more tricky. But they're the sort of um, that's the sort of route we're hoping to go. And just because I feel that sort of NHS and private healthcare, there's going to be probably got to be some sort of merge, or mm. you know, just reaching out to try and help that sort of I suppose that stress and that load on the NHS.
0: Yeah, certainly. It seems inevitable that private healthcare is going to have to sort of step in to help alleviate that pressure for sure. And I think it's fantastic to sort of see the level of ambition that you have and sort of rolling out your services to cover sort of more topics, as you say. And uh, I do wish you all the uh, the luck in uh, executing that to full effect. And I'd actually love the opportunity to welcome you back onto the show and catch up in future just to see sort of how those ambitions are being realised. And hopefully there'll be some real positives to share on that.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. That would be um it's been great talking to you today and it's it's been really sort of um nice to to share that. Um, you know, usually we're just talking to patients one on one in the clinic, but it's like the situation is very real. Um the like we say, the stress on the NHS and that affects on people personally, psychologically, their well being, it's very real. But I think taking that sort of positive from the situation as we sort of try to do as and healthcare professionals is we have all grown together we're united together we're positive everyone's sort of trying to look forward and just reaching out to people a lot more I think it has just become more the norm to check in on people you know a, a phone call a face time a knock on the door it mm. just all really does add up and I think we've realized that we do just have to look out for each other a lot more.
0: We do absolutely and I think that sort of a more acute awareness of mental health especially has really sort of aided that push hasn't it and uh Obviously, of course, we've had a fantastic session here, uh, learning all about the uh, the injury mechanics story, both before and through lockdown. And to anybody sort of listening into the uh, the program uh, today, who might feel that you know your own business or your own organisation has its own story to share from the last two years, then by all means do apply to be on the show as well. We'd love to hear your story, and you can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Um, Maria, once again, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on today's show and uh, do take care and stay safe with all that is still going on in the world as well
1: you too Scott thank you very much
0: and to all of our regular listeners tuning in today again I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed the interview with injury mechanics owner Maria Westwell just as much as I did and uh, to all of our regular listeners once more you have been listening to the Leaders Council podcast with your host Scott Chaloner please do take care and goodbye until next time